Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Politically Correct, our weekly podcast that simplifies politics for the newest generation of voters. I'm Melissa Baker. And I'm Jack Thompson. We do the research and you hear the results. So this past week, a lot has gone on. And Jack, I think you have the first story. A few more of Hillary Clinton's emails came out. Uh, one from 2012 caught people's attention. Uh, it went like this. If Mittens can't beat Grinch in Florida, there will be pressure on state Republican parties to re- reopen ballot access. Um, the email is talking about uh, Newt Gingrich and Mitt Romney in the 2012 GOP primary. And uh, the, the names Grinch and Mittens are uh, obviously for Newt Gingrich being Grinch and Mitt Romney being Mittens. And it, it's kind of in a derogatory tone. Uh, what, do, what do you think about this? Um, does it make her more relatable as a candidate because she does things like this? Okay, so I saw this email and, you know, Hillary Clinton's emails were a huge thing that lots of people talked about, lots of scandal behind that. And these are the emails that are being uncovered, okay? So when I see this, am I worried? No, but as a candidate, to see her referring to other candidates like that, I don't think it's... I'm sure she called them worse things, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe, is Grinch and Mittens a big deal? No. No, but yeah, I want to... Like, do you think it makes her more relatable? Or do you just think it makes her look stupid or... I mean, I I don't really... I don't think it's that big of a deal. I guess it makes her more relatable. Right. And I think it's funny, too, because mm-hmm. because she's such a politically correct person, I feel like these are the mean nicknames she's calling her Yeah. Her it's her like, friend. ooh, really got them good. Yeah. <laughs> Grinch and Mittens. Like, yeah. that's where she... That, those are the best nicknames she could come up with. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Does it make her relatable? I mean, I don't think those are the nicknames we would choose to call our competitors. But mm-hmm. and, and depending on the time of year, I mean, it's kind of Christmas, winter, the <laughs> Grinch and Mittens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> she, got her, she got her timeline right, yeah. I guess, with those. So. You can blame her. Yeah. I, creativity <laughs> points, I guess. Right, I don't yeah. know if it's the biggest deal. But, I mean, it is kind of a relief just to see that these emails aren't mm-hmm. anything drastic. But... Yeah, I wonder how she feels about it. Like, oh no, they they know. <laughs> they know what a horrible person she is <laughs> yeah. now. So, on a bit of a heavier note, on Monday, Obama addressed the nation about terrorism, an issue that has plagued us for the past couple of weeks. To give you a general idea of what the speech is about, here are his closing lines. Let's make sure we never forget what makes us exceptional. Let's not forget that freedom is more powerful than fear. That we have always met challenges, whether war or depression, natural disasters or terrorist attacks, by coming together around our common ideals as one nation and one people. Okay, so his general message, which you can see from that comment, is that he wants the American people to come together to be patient and to avoid Muslim discrimination. Now, this triggered a ton of reaction from conservatives who definitely wanted to see more action. Jack has a little different spin on this. The best way to show this is a clip from live TV on it was Fox News after the event. And uh, you'll just listen for it yourself. It speaks for itself. Yeah. First of all, 
he keeps speaking about we can't give in to our fears. Uh, you know, don't be afraid. Look, Mr. President, we're not afraid. We're angry. We're pissed off. We're furious. Yes. We want you to react. We want you to do something. You're afraid. I mean, this guy is such a total pussy. It's this was Ralph Peters. Uh, he, he was the man who said that, and he was actually suspended by Fox for two weeks for the comments he made about the president. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a statement to make about the president, especially <clears throat> coming from Fox News. I feel like maybe we could have expected as much but he did get a suspension mm -hmm. so and they and they did they did tell him shortly after on that same broadcast that he he needed to either apologize or uh, take back what he said right but i think it's just like he's the president of the united states like mm -hmm. and no matter how you feel about barack obama he or anyone on live tv yeah I, exactly anyone that's not really something you say Okay, so obviously Fox is a conservative station, but is there even an ounce of truth to Ralph Peters' words? And Ralph Peters is the man who said those things about Obama. Like, do you think other uh, citizens of the United States think this and are glad that he said that? Uh, yeah, I think I think that uh, there's a lot of people who probably agree with uh, Ralph Peters. Maybe not in the volume <laughs> that that he had, but yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think? Um. Yeah, I think there's definitely people who have called Obama worse things. You know, maybe Hillary Clinton can take notes on the name-calling mm -hmm. in this situation. Right, but yeah. I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely people who dislike Obama a lot, and I think clearly Ralph Peters is one of them. Mm -hmm. And right after this event happened, um, Peters tweeted out, and he said, I don't want to apologize for this. Wow. I'm Someone had to say it. And it's like no one, <laughs> no one had to say it. It's been seven years and mm -hmm. no one has. Yeah, I, the, I mean, if someone had to say it, maybe word choice, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's an interesting story just because of uh, the harshness. But mm -hmm. hey, you know, it's politics. So if there's one person who does agree with Ralph Peters, it's probably Donald Trump. Um, after Obama's speech, uh, Donald Trump says he uh, wants to ban all Muslims from entering the U.S. Uh, temporarily. At a rally, he spoke about his plan. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. Okay, so one thing is that he refers to himself in third person, which is a little creepy, but that's not the point. Um, he talks about his plan. Okay, and he says about how he wants to prevent Muslims from entering the country. And he talked about this saying, quote, I'm the worst thing that has ever happened to ISIS. And then to explain his plan, and I want to explain this to you so you as a listener truly understand what he's proposing. He wants a TSA agent, so like a customs agent at the airport, to ask an incoming traveler, are you a Muslim? And if that person says yes, they'll be asked to turn around and not enter the United States. What are your initial reactions, Jack? At, it's scary to me because, because if you had ill intent, obviously you would say, no, I'm not a Muslim. And, that, and you would be in the country. It would be easy as that. And mm -hmm. the people who say, would say, yes, I am a Muslim, uh, they would probably typically have nothing to hide. And would, they would probably be a proud Muslim. 
and they wouldn't make it into the country. So literally the people who would be getting in are the people we don't want getting in. The people who would be refused at the door would be the people who would have no issue. Right. We would have no issue coming into this country. Yeah. So it, it's it seems backwards to me that plan it, uh, it, of yeah filtering out Muslims. To me too. It seems completely upside down. Um, one of his biggest supporters on this issue is another neo-Nazi site, which we talked nice. about the same thing last week. Big surprise, right? But this is what the site said um, about Donald Trump. Quote, get all these monkeys the hell out of our country now. Hail Donald Trump, the ultimate savior. Okay, so right when I, I saw this um, from the neo-Nazi site, and obviously that's not endorsed by Trump, but he's got to know people like this support him. Mm-hmm. Do you think Trump's campaign is starting to seem like a cult? It has extremist views, a beloved leader, and seemingly unwavering support. It almost seems like Donald Trump is saying some of these things uh, in order to almost eliminate himself from the campaign. Like, it seems like he almost doesn't, he's trying to sabotage himself to right. a point where he thinks no one will uh, vote for him anymore and support him. Uh, he's still leading the polls even after these comments he made about Muslims. And it almost seems like he's trying to sabotage himself, but it's not working. And right. It, I I mean, it's, and it's just, I as a viewer, when you see this stuff, you're like, are you serious? Yeah. Like, I see this. Did that really happen? I think maybe his confidence sort of blurs like the reality like people see this confidence and think yeah mm-hmm. we should yeah. do that and it's like d- if if anyone else said that you would think that's insane but mm-hmm. because of his confidence i think he's really convincing a group of people which does to me i'm not going to say it's a cult right but right. It, it, it seems a little severe like his following yeah and if you're one of your a big supporter of your campaign is a neo-Nazi group. Maybe what does that say about you and your <laughs> campaign? Exactly. I mean, look at your supporters. They're the, like a direct representation of who you are and who you target mm-hmm. as as your audience. And when those people start to become like conservative extremists and neo-Nazi groups, I think it's a little nerve-wracking that you're going to be sitting in the Oval Office, you know, if you would. And, so. and Trump started off as as fairly middle of the road. Like, he had some... Yeah, there was debate on whether he was a Democrat. And now to see him very conservative and having neo-Nazi supporters, and it's, it's interesting to see where his campaign has gone. And I'm interested to see where it will go. Right. I think it's definitely something that will never disappoint. And then... <laughs> uh, So I had a second question, and this is more about his statement um, about what he wants to do um, with the Muslims that would be entering our country. So how do you think this sort of idea of saying all Muslims are bad, we should not let any of them come in, how is this any different than saying all cops are bad, all cops shoot innocent um, people? I don't think there is a difference in that because – in any group, there's going to be bad apples, mm-hmm. and you see it in cops, you see it with Muslims, you see it with Christians, you see it with teachers, and on every level, on on every level, as long as there's a l- large group of people, there's always going to be bad apples in that group. So I don't think there is a difference, and it's sad to see uh, we don't when there's a, sh- a wrongful shooting, uh, uh, we don't ban all cops, we don't fire all cops, we we take care of the single the bad cop. Donald Trump suggesting we ban all Muslims uh, 
it just doesn't make sense to me. What do you think? Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. I mean, as a nation, I feel like um, we're really defensive of our um, cops. You know, they protect our towns and our country. Mm -hmm. And they're bad situations. And like you say, they're bad apples. But it's interesting that we will quickly group. And okay, we, I'm talking about Donald Trump and a couple of people who do it too. Okay, Mm -hmm. but group all the Muslims into one category and then are so hesitant to say, yeah, all cops are bad Mm -hmm. because it's not true and we know it's not true. So it's sad that that generalization is being made. And I don't I personally don't think Donald Trump's plan could ever pass through Congress. It seems definitely illegal. I mean, there's a First Amendment and Mm -hmm. but, you know, when they're coming from another country, there's a different set of rules and all kinds of different things apply. But it's scary to even hear that as a real thing that's mentioned. Today's deep dive, we will be talking about Twitter and how social media is affecting the campaigns. Here are the uh, top 10 candidates in order with the largest Twitter following. Hillary Clinton with 5.15 million, Donald Trump with 4.84 million followers, Ted Cruz with a combined 1.31 million. He maintains two accounts, uh, one for his candidacy and one for his role as senator, and they're pretty much equal in the follower amount. Marco Rubio with 1 million, Ben Carson with 1 million, Bernie Sanders uh, with little under a million with 973,000, Rand Paul with 731,000, Carly Fiorina with 632,000, Chris Christie with 579,000, and finally, finally with Mike Huckabee with 429,000. So those were just the top 10 candidates and how many followers they had, but obviously you span from Hillary Clinton at the top with over 5 million followers, um, Donald Trump not close by, not far behind there. Um, but then you have Mike Huckabee down at the bottom with 429,000. Yeah. Um, there's like more than a four and a half million follower difference. How large of a role do you think that's going to play in this campaign trail between the candidates? I don't know because it's hard to s- – social media in, in the grand scheme of things is still fairly new and especially to campaigning. And I don't know. Does And, it, and it, it's – I think uh, – Younger people tend to be more involved in social media, so having a larger social media following, would that that mean you have more uh, younger followers or you, you'll reach out to more more of the young, younger Americans? I don't know. What, what do you think? Right. I think the younger demographic is a huge thing because, not to stereotype, but yeah, I mean, almost anyone in this high school has mm-hmm. a Twitter page. Almost... It's, it's required by some of our classes to have a Twitter account. Exactly. So Twitter's a huge thing, and I think for these candidates, it's a way to instantly connect with mm-hmm. their supporters. So I think it does make a huge difference. Now, the difference between 5 million and 3 million, is it that big? Yeah, 2 million people is a lot, but you're in the millions of followers. Clearly, people know about you. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think it's important to have you know, one million plus followers, really, so you can just get out to your people. Yeah, and and going back to what you mentioned on Instant, uh, last episode we talked about that the terrorist attack in California, and uh, 
the most of the candidates had already within hours within an hour had already tweeted to like Hillary Clinton had already gotten out her ideas uh, to 5.15 million people uh, within an hour of the attack happening, which I is interesting. It was just cool. Yeah. And so many people, I'm sure that was the first time people had even heard about the attack. Right. The instant communication is a huge thing. And that's the thing. When they tweet, it's not just one tweet that dies mm-hmm. out. People see it and it's gone. I mean, people retweet that. People share it. It shows up mm-hmm. just because she has 5.15 million followers doesn't mean that 10 million people won't see that mm-hmm. tweet. I mean, that might be extreme, but like people are going to retweet that. People are going to share it, email it, whatever. And, so. the, and it's a good way, and they can easily uh, explain themselves and show their values and what they think on certain things with without people having to tune in to a debate or a tuning a rally or going to a rally or anything. They can literally just check Twitter, something they would already be doing probably, and get the latest scoop on their uh, on any candidate. Twitter is a great tool for young voters like us to keep up with politicians. Uh, How important is it compared to other forms of news like TV and the newspaper? So I think Twitter's super important, um, but I think what's most important is the different functions that all these news sources, you know, provide us. So TV's pretty instant, okay, but in reference with Twitter, it's not even close. You have 5 o'clock news show, whatever, Mm -hmm. but Twitter is that minute, that second, and then the newspaper is like more of a daily thing too. So... The TV and newspaper, they will cover more in-depth and more of the important stuff. But I think Twitter is awesome to see maybe some of these candidates' more personal feelings that Mm -hmm. don't get a lot of news coverage. And you can really connect with them on a a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think it's Twitter – following somebody on Twitter is a little bit more intimate than maybe listening listening to somebody else's – uh, opinion on them like on something like Fox News or CNN and um, yeah because and it's a good way to drown out the other candidates maybe you don't want to hear about the other candidates maybe you only want to hear about Bernie Sanders or Ben Carson or Hillary Clinton you can follow those three candidates and only have them tweeting to you exactly and then that brings me into how these candidates use their Twitters so I want to talk about how they really use their accounts So I'm going to go ahead and list uh, four really popular candidates, how many tweets they have, and how they use these accounts. So Hillary Clinton has only tweeted 3,000 times, but on her Twitter, she states her political opinions, and she tweets about the appearances she has made, so like at her rallies. Donald Trump, on the other hand, has tweeted more than 29,000 times, and I think this is a bit of a part to the fact that he was already a celebrity personality and probably Mm -hmm. didn't start a new Twitter account just for this campaign. His account's probably older than most. Exactly. So he tweets often, um, really often. I would dare dare to say he tweets more often than any other candidate. He tweets about what he's doing, where he's going, what he thinks, and not everything is campaign-related. He doesn't feel bad to just lash out and say something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marco Rubio has tweeted 4,000 times. He tweets directly to his supporters, thanking specific fans and also about his opinions in the election. Where Bernie Sanders has tweeted 1,000 more times with 5,000, he also tweets very frequently. And he also tweets heavily about his opinions and things. Each account is a little different. What do you want your candidate tweeting about? Right, so when I would follow a candidate on Twitter, I would want to see what they're doing. I would want to see 
them tweeting about the appearances they've made publicly, maybe the lighter stuff, so maybe the talk shows they've been a part of mm-hmm. or interviews they've had on daily shows. Um, but I'd also want to see them with some hard-hitting stuff, um, opinions, and I'd want to see, you know, what accounts they're retweeting, like um, what other organizations do they align with and what tweets are coming from those places I think Twitter's cool because you can see so much more. With a couple clicks, you can transfer accounts. You can transfer between people. You can see what people have tweeted. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, this whole web of connections you can make there. And so when I'm following a candidate, I want to see them with this broad web with all the stuff that they do. And it's just sort of like a rolling resume. Trump has tweeted more than 26,000 times, uh, more than Clinton. Uh, Does this make a difference? So, yeah, I think the more often you tweet, um, the more often you're sending out your message to your followers. And like we talked about, I think maybe the reason he has a lot more is because he has an account that's existed for much longer. But, yeah, I mean, how often is too often? I don't know. As a follower, I'd like to see Twitter's way more live than any other social media. So you you might see 15, Mm -hmm. 20. I feel like that's pushing it after that. But then again, these people are mega celebrities and Mm – the more tweets they have, the more followers they're going to have, and they know that. So, mm-hmm. um, Well, that doesn't, yeah. Yeah, it makes a difference, yeah. but I don't think at this point, I feel like they're tweeting at about the same rate, and I think the reason he has more, more tweets is because this account existed so much longer. Right, so we've seen that Twitter can play a major role in the campaign, but how big of a role do you think social media itself will play in the future of campaigning 10 years from now, 20 years from now? It's in an upward trend right now, so I can only see it being more and more important as time goes on. And as we've seen, uh, that Trump has made retweet retweets <laughs> where it's caused them a lot of issues. And I think that, that just goes to show how big uh, social media actually um, is in in the race right now and it's only going to go up i think what do you think right so i think we've seen how big a role social media can play in our personal lives Mm -hmm. just with um applying for a job everyone says you know make sure your social media is just what you want your employer to see and so i think in the same way that matters with campaigning donald trump is a perfect example with having twenty six thousand more tweets than his closest uh competitor he has this history on Twitter where you could go back and see who this man was 10 Mm -hmm. years ago or five years ago. And I think that's going to be the difference too, is how transparent these, these accounts are and how real these candidates are whose faces are in the profile picture. I mean, is this Hillary Clinton speaking to me or is it a message that she will never see and has never seen and it's just her staffers posting so for me I want to see a genuine candidate and I think that's going to be the difference if these candidates can be genuine in their social media to switch it up next week uh, for the holiday season we're gonna uh, have a and a a question and answer uh, episode where we dedicate an entire episode to answering your questions that you want to send to us. 
So we will mention you and your inquiry and give you an answer, unless, of course, you'd prefer to be anonymous. So if you want to know our personal opinions about something, a deeper explanation on a topic, or just have something you're curious about, please DM us on Twitter at PolyCPodcast, that's P-O-L-I-C Podcast, or you can email us at politicallycorrectpodcast at gmail.com. I had a blast recording this episode. So did I. This has been Jack Thompson. And Melissa Baker. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk next week.